Once upon a time, there was a group of special people who lived in a very special land. Now, at first glance, these people don't appear special, nor did the land. They were nomadic people living in a desert wilderness between several great empires and nations. As nomadic people, they wandered the countryside, wandered this wilderness, raising livestock to provide for their community. They were, in fact, a community comprised of shepherds. Sometimes when this story is told about these people, the impression is given that they just wandered aimlessly around the wilderness. But that's not the case. You see, the wilderness was not like farms or farmland that we think of um, where you typically see sheep or other animals in these uh, abundant green pastures that go on and on. This special land in which these nomadic shepherds lived looked like this. Do we have the image? We're having a little chat back there. Do we have the first slide? I know that came up on you quick. They were still figuring out what's going on. Do we have it? There. Oh. Did everybody get that? You all saw that? That's good. This is the wilderness of Israel. I don't know if you can see it from in your seats, um, but there's the black and the white and the gray stuff up in the back. Those are animals. I don't know if you can see those. That's pretty small. If you pull up your phone, you can see it on Facebook Live right now. Zoom in, whatever. Uh, But this is the special land in which these nomadic shepherds lived. And as I said a moment ago, this land doesn't look like much. But there was life-sustaining provisions to be found in this land. And the shepherd's task of caring for the flock required knowledge of this territory. But more importantly, it required wisdom. And it was the wisdom that was gained over generations as they learned to find food and find water based off of not only where they were in the land, but also what the seasons were, right? This special land provided food and water and shade and protection, and there was enough of all of that for the flock. But the shepherd needed to lead the flock. Over time, there were paths that were worn into the wilderness. In fact, even today, thousands of years later, you can still see these paths. In fact, there are some areas in Israel and the surrounding areas that are still inhabited by nomadic shepherds, even today. And the paths are actively traveled as we sit here this morning. If we have the next slide, I want to kind of highlight some of those paths. So as you look at this, uh, this is a little bit more clear. You can see those stripes across the screen. Those are paths that the shepherds have led their flocks down and have worn. And what, what's happening here is uh, the, the sheep would kind of fan out and, and walk kind of side by side and they could graze on either side of the path and get whatever green goodies were along the way. Um, but these are ancient paths. And, and if I had other pictures, and I wasn't going to spend a whole lot of time on it, but other pictures, you can see single file lines as they go from one pasture because this would be considered a green pasture, to the, to the next one, you can see that this is a, a path that is worn into the rock, worn into, um, into the desert wilderness here. And so a shepherd leading a flock in the wilderness would encounter paths that might lead off in a variety of directions. 
Some of these paths might lead to fresh water. There might be another path that led to these green pastures, places that had vegetation to to eat. Some paths might lead into an area that other sheep have already grazed. And so if the shepherd took their flock there, there would be no food left because somebody had already taken it. Um, Some paths might lead along dangerous cliffs and ravines. In the the 23rd Psalm that we read this morning that we talk about, you know, though I go through the the valley of the shadow of death, right? Like, this is a scary path to be going on. Um, Some of these paths were dangerous. Some of these paths that a shepherd might encounter might actually lead away from the rest of the community of nomadic shepherds, right? They may, it may lead away from the protection of the group. Other paths might lead into dry, barren desert. So shepherds who wandered aimlessly in the wilderness will not lead the sheep in ways that lead to life, but they will find paths that lead to injury, to harm, even death of the flock. Bad shepherds would be the ones that lead their flocks in ways that brought harm and death to their sheep. Bad shepherds were the ones who either didn't know the paths that led to life, or they didn't care about their sheep's well-being. But a good shepherd is a shepherd who knows what the flock needs, who knows which path will get them there. A good shepherd knows, knows the paths that lead to life-giving resources such as food and water and shade and the protection of community. For generations, these special people lived in this special land and they, they did their best to follow the right paths and to avoid the wrong paths. Eventually, these people transitioned from nomadic shepherds and they transitioned into farmers and villagers. They traveled less, and they became more permanent residents of specific locations. They even integrated into some of the cities that were, were growing in their, uh, in their area. But even as those transitions occurred to villages and cities, their identity and connection to the life of a nomadic shepherd uh, never actually left. In fact, it was a foundational concept to these people's culture. It was so deeply entrenched in their culture that even their language and even their religion reflected their history of being nomadic shepherds. Their imagery of flocks being led on paths in the wilderness was how they communicated their faith in God and it it shaped their understanding of religious life altogether. So for example, their word for righteousness, which sounds very religious, it's a very churchy word, for us, their word for righteousness literally has its roots in this nomadic shepherd culture. It means, in the most fundamental sense, the right path. Righteousness is right pathness, <laughs> it's choosing the right way. And so, on the screen, you'll see Jeremiah 31, and being aware that uh, of this, this nomadic shepherd history and how it has impacted this culture. If you're aware of this, you will see this show up in the Bible all over the place. So for one example, Jeremiah 31, 9, this is speaking God's voice here. It says, with weeping, they shall come with consolations. Oh, went off the screen. Um, I've got my notes. I will lead them back. I will let them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble. 
So knowing that these people, their culture and all of that comes from this nomadic shepherding, this I will walk with, I will lead them to walk along brooks of cool water of uh, like this is a shepherding image. This is God as shepherd. And they will walk in a straight path in which they will not stumble. Again, this is shepherding language. And that, that phrase there, straight path, literally everywhere else that, that word shows up in the, in the Bible in Hebrew is translated as righteousness. I will lead them in righteousness and they will not stumble. The word for straight path, the right path, is Righteousness. So in the, the next scripture, which we've already had a little bit of a preview of, is Psalm 18, 21. It says, I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. Again, ways is pointing to the path, the righteous path, the straight path. I will, the ways of the Lord is these well-worn paths of the Lord, and I will not depart from them. I'm not going to wander off the path or choose a different path. This shepherding language shows up everywhere if you're looking for it. And again, so these were ancient Hebrews. A long, long time ago, they were a nomadic people who traveled a circuit through the wilderness, following the same paths from pasture to pasture, campsite to campsite, watering hole to watering hole. And anyone leaving these paths would become lost. They would wander aimlessly. They would become one who has departed from the path. And so a righteous person is not just one who lives religiously pious life like we've kind of interpreted in church today. Uh, A righteous person would be one who follows the correct path, the path, the way of God. So another place where this nomadic uh, shepherding culture shows up in in our study of Scripture and in church and all of that is in the ancient understanding of sin and repentance. So if you think about this ancient shepherding community, they didn't have courts and legal systems, right? They didn't have attorneys and lawyers and prisons and and all the things that, like, when we talk about law, today we think this is what, what it means, but they didn't have that. And so when they talk about sin and repentance, they weren't talking about legal systems, They were talking about paths, because that's what they had. And so sin literally means missing the mark or being lost from the path, the wrong way. So one of the aspects of this nomad on his constant journey from one watering hole to another or one pasture to another, right? They're always on the move from one place to the next. And if you're walking on a journey and you find yourself lost from the path, you correct yourself. And get back on the path, right? Like if it was a mistake, like you've accidentally wandered off the path and you realize it, you're like, oh, what, let me get back to that path. Um, however, if you decide to leave that path and make your own path, you know, I know better, there's a shortcut, or I've been here before and I know a better way, or this looks better than the way that I'm going, and we deliberately leave the path that we have been set on, um, We would be considered, again, lost from the path, but this time, it's a deliberate act. And so in the Bible, God gives his teachings, which teachings usually is translated as commands or law. He gives his teachings for the journey that his people are on. As long as they remain on that journey, as long as they remain on that path, they are considered righteous. 
And even from time to time, they can wander off that path, but they can still be welcomed back onto it if they, if they turn around from that wrong path and return to the right path. Right? The, the word used for this idea of leaving the wrong path, turning around and coming back to the right path, is usually translated as repentance. Right? It literally means to return back to the correct path. And so you can see the influence of this nomadic shepherding language on the ancient Hebrews, but not also on the ancient Hebrews, but also on our Bible. It shows up everywhere. Um, but it doesn't just end there. When the people of Israel, this ancient nomadic shepherding community, grew to the point that they're like, we want a king, right? <laughs> we want a king like what all the other countries have. <clears throat> what became their image or their standard that kings were evaluated by, right? What did, the, what did the, the scriptures hold up the standard for what made a good king or what made a bad king? So, for example, when the prophet Samuel came to Jesse to anoint one of the sons as the next king of Israel, right? Some of you will remember this story from your time in Sunday school. Um, not today, but at some point. Um, Samuel rejected all the sons of Jesse that he saw. He's like, no, none of these will be the king, Right? And then he says, do you have another son? And they said, yeah, I have another son. He's not here with us, though. And his name is David. Well, where was David? He was out with the sheep. <laughs> he was out as a shepherd, right? And so the king that God chooses for his people is the shepherd who was out with the flock. And David was selected as king and has become the standard for all the other kings in Israel's history. And he wasn't perfect, but the hope, the messianic hope, the hope for a new king that shows up in much of the Bible is that there'd be somebody that came in the line of David. It'd be a king that was like David because he was the greatest king and he was a shepherd. And so the problem is that there were these kings who made Israel wealthy. There was kings who made Israel military powers. There was kings who made treaties and established trade and, and, and made Israel a great trade route and an economic power in the, in, the, in the region. And they made Israel great by certain standards. But the Bible and the prophets never let go of this idea that the king needs to be a shepherd of the flock. And so... In Ezekiel chapter 4, which is a book of a prophet, Ezekiel came much, much later after David. And Ezekiel 34 comes generations later. There's kings and kings and kings and rulers and, and times with no kings and times with judges. and times like Ezekiel shows up kind of late in the history of Israel. And so he looks backwards. And I want to read a little bit from Ezekiel 34 this morning. Um, it won't be on the, on the screen. You don't need to try and find it in your Bible or anything like that. I just want you to hear what this prophet is saying about these kings of Israel. And again, this is him reading after exile has happened. So the, the nation has split in two. It's been conquered by the Assyrians. It's been conquered by the Babylonians. The temple has been defeated. They've been drugged away from their homeland, away from the promised land. And Ezekiel looks backwards at this history and says... These words that came from God. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. 
Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, you clothe yourselves with wool and slaughter the choice animals. But you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd, and so has been plundered and has become food for all the wild animals. And because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than for my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths. And it will no longer be food for them. Ezekiel had a harsh word coming from God for those rulers, the shepherds, the the kings that were supposed to be caring for God's people. These leaders and rulers have been making themselves great. They were great kings, but they were terrible shepherds. They took advantage of the flock rather than caring for it. They took and took and took from the flock with no concern for its well-being They made themselves powerful, wealthy, successful, and all while leading the people of God on wrong paths. Those paths that led to exile, that led to defeat, that led to death. It's a pretty condemning moment in the history of Israel. These words from God through the prophet Ezekiel seem to just judge all the rulers of Israel. Yet hope remained. Continuing in Ezekiel 34, God continues to speak. He says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on days of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in the settlements of the land. I will tend them in good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. They will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lay down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. And so here we are, these words in Ezekiel, they're near the end of the Old Testament story, and the prophet has identified what went wrong with the story of Israel. What is the source of Israel's problems? They needed a good shepherd. All the previous shepherds had either allowed the sheep to wander off or caused the sheep to wander off the paths that lead to life. Bad shepherds had either allowed Israel to live in sin or they led them into living in sin. They either allowed the people to walk away from God or they caused 
the people to walk away from God. Either way, this is a strong condemnation on the rulers of Israel. And so what do the people of God need in order to be faithful, to live as God's chosen people? What do they need to be who God calls them to be? They need a good shepherd. Without a good shepherd, they won't stay on the paths that lead to life. And in Ezekiel, God says that God will be that good shepherd. In Psalm 23 that Hannah read for us this morning, we see the same sentiment. The Lord is my shepherd. I won't have any needs. I'll lay down in green pastures. I'll have water. I'll have uh, God guiding me using his staff and his rod. He's keeping me on the right paths and keeping me from wandering off. So there's this deep-rooted hope in the people of Israel that as a good shepherd will show up and lead Israel in the ways of righteousness, in the ways of the right paths that lead to life. Right? So there's this deep-seated need and this deep-seated hope that God himself will show up and shepherd his people. And then Jesus shows up and says this in John chapter, 11 verses, or John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. And this is our scripture for today. Uh, finally got to it. All that's been the introduction. Just kidding. Um, John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus again says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep that are not in the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. So Jesus shows up and he declares, you know that shepherd you've been waiting for? That one that we've needed as a people. The one that God said, I will show up and take care of you. I will show up and be your good shepherd. Jesus shows up and says, I am that shepherd. He cares for the flock and gathers the lost to himself because he is the good shepherd. He lays down his life for the sheep because he is the good shepherd. He is the one that will lead us in righteousness. He will lead us on the right paths. In the earliest days of the church, in the earliest days of Christianity, they didn't call it Christianity. They called it the way. Jesus showed up to teach them the way, to become the way. He is the one who calls us back when we sin. He shouts out, turn around, you're on the wrong path. <laughs> You've wandered off the path that leads to, to life. Come back, turn around, repent. He gathers us with others in the flock. He gathers us together because he knows that life is not meant to be lived alone. So the good shepherd gathers us together. 
He gathers us into a flock because he loves and he cares for us. Now, the truth is, and this is a hard reality that we have to acknowledge, the truth is that there's a lot of alternative shepherds to follow these days. And there's a lot of alternative paths that we can choose to go on. But Jesus is the only shepherd who cares for his flock and leads them to life. By following the wrong shepherds, we find ourselves far from life and far from community that God intended for us. And so we've been taught and led to be afraid because there are wolves out there, there are not enough food, there's not enough water. Some of these places that we go are dangerous and scary and there's just not enough. But the good shepherd leads us to green pastures. The good shepherd leads us by still waters. The good shepherd causes us to lie down where he is there with us and protects us. And he says all these other shepherds that we try to follow actually are, cause us to be afraid. And that's actually a good thing that we're afraid when we follow them because it's, it's true. When we follow these alternative shepherds, there isn't life to be found at the end of that path. There isn't abundance. There isn't community. There isn't peace. In fact, if we believe the scriptures, not only do these other shepherds not know the way that leads to life, but these other shepherds don't care for us the way that Jesus does. For only the good shepherd loves his flock, cares about the flock, and is willing to lay down his life for the flock. And so it's, it seems common sense that sheep shouldn't follow a shepherd who doesn't care about their lives. Sheep shouldn't follow a shepherd that will lead them on paths that will lead to pain or that will lead to death. And that makes sense when we look at sheep and shepherds. But when we look at the Christian life, we realize it's a little bit more tempting to follow these alternative shepherds. Why is it so hard to follow Jesus, the good shepherd, sometimes? And, and maybe the most tempting shepherd in our day and age, there's a lot of voices calling out to us, inviting us to follow them, um, whether it be you know, politicians or news or social media or celebrities or, or whatever. You know, these voices are saying, come follow me. I will lead you to the place of life. I will lead you on an alternative path. There's all these other voices and other ways we can live. And despite all of that, maybe the most tempting shepherd in the modern world, to follow is ourselves. We are independent. We are self-sufficient. We don't like anyone telling us what to do. We like to be our own shepherd, to make our own paths, to care for ourselves first. The idea is, I'll care for myself, and you care for yourself, and I hope you do well enough, and I'm going to take care of what I, I have needs of. But my hope for us today is that we realize that the good shepherd is at work caring for us, while at the same time gathering others into the flock. These two things are happening at the same time. He's caring for us. He's loving us. He's protecting us. He's guiding us on paths that lead to life. And at the same time, he's gathering others into that flock. And so as we hear Jesus calling us, as we hear Jesus leading us, pointing the way, we see that Jesus is calling and caring for others as well. In the scripture in John chapter 10 that we read a moment ago, it says that there's one flock 
gathered around one shepherd. One flock gathered around one shepherd. That means that the us versus them approach to life isn't the way that Jesus was teaching us to live. The reality is there are only people who have been gathered by Jesus or there are people that Jesus is at work trying to gather to himself. To say that Jesus is the good shepherd is not just to say that he has lovey-dovey feelings for us. (laughs) He really likes us. It means that his teachings, the example that he lived, the cross that he endured, the resurrection that he experienced, they're like traveling in the wilderness, right? Seeing paths that go off in every direction. Some paths look better than others, but we really can't be sure which way they're supposed to go. The path that leads to the cross doesn't look all that inviting, <laughs> right? The path that looks, the loving our enemy doesn't look that inviting. The path that, that leads to peace, I mean, that makes me feel kind of vulnerable. Some paths look better than others, and, and, and in reality, we can't be sure which way we're supposed to go. And then the shepherd Jesus shows up, calling out to us, this is the way. This is the path to live on. This is the path that will lead to life. You may not believe it, but trust me. (laughs) The world may not tell you to go down this path, but believe in me. Follow me. I won't steer you wrong. If you're going on another path, there's still time. Turn around and come back to this one. We'll bring you back in. We'll forgive you. We'll clean you up. We'll, We'll get you on the right path. Repent. Change your mind. Turn around. Come over to this one. In Jesus' day, there was a lot of religious groups. There was a lot of religious organizations. There was divisions within the Jewish religious world. And so there was all different kinds of way to pray. And we see Jesus encountering that, teaching uh, his disciples about these other groups. But ultimately, one time when he gathered all his, his disciples together, he taught them the way to pray, even. Shepherd Jesus was standing in the wilderness with his confused sheep. And he said, this is the way. When you pray, pray like this. And so now as our Savior Christ has taught us, I'm going to invite all of us to pray the Lord's Prayer this morning. Um, The slides are part of the communion uh, set. See? All right. I knew that would be, I meant to say something beforehand. I knew that would be tricky. Um, I have a set of communion slides that are just kind of like every first of every month. I just pull them out and it's got the Lord's Prayer in it. So I knew what I was doing. I didn't tell them. So the Lord's Prayer this morning, this is the prayer that Jesus taught his followers to pray. This is a path that Jesus has taught his followers to walk down. So I invite you to pray this prayer with me this morning. Are we ready? All right. I'll take silence as a yes. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation 
but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.